0: Today in the journey with Steve DeWitt.
1: The father and the son, okay, try unity. They are, they are connected and will be forever. As a Christian, we are now locked in to those who are themselves life. And therefore, because they live, we will live life eternal time without end.
0: Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Recognizing the Trinity deepens our comprehension of God's nature as Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. So today on The Journey, Pastor Steve brings us to the Gospel of John for an insightful lesson on the Trinity from the words of Christ Himself. It's the first part of a message titled, Trinity, the Perfect Fix for Our Fears. You can also listen online at The Journey Here now is Pastor Steve.
1: As many of you know, I am a C.S. Lewis fanboy, and I'm going to begin with a quote from uh, from him. This is one of his better-known writing quotes. He wrote this, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim while there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire while there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, this is the famous part, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So it's it's an engineering illustration in which he points out that if something is made for something, and the absence of that something is a longing that cannot be satisfied in this world. It means that we were made for another world. It's just logic, Spock. It's all it is, is logic, right? Now, to make sure you're with me in this, I brought along one of my work gloves. Some of you probably be surprised I had one of some work gloves at home, but... I, have, I do have work gloves, and pastors do occasionally um, get one small drop of sweat on the brow. Uh, so I brought one of my work gloves from, uh, from home, and uh, if we were to look at a glove and uh, look at its shape, we could, to try to figure out, what is this? You know, there are some hints in the shape of this glove for what it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to do. You could say, well, it looks, that kind of looks like fingers, and, oh, look, I have fingers. And that sure looks like a thumb, uh, and, and, and I have a thumb. You know, I, I wonder if maybe this glove was made for a hand. And, of course, it's not hard to see how that works, right? Now, that is a glove that is fulfilling its purpose. Without a hand, if we were to in, you know, interview the glove and say, hey, what does it feel like? You know, the glove might say, something feels empty inside. I feel like something's missing in my life. There's something I was made for. I'm not fulfilling my purpose. I feel meaninglessness in my life. And so much of the human experience is is like that. We humans are... Generally, the same, you know, in a, in a broad sense, we're we're pretty much all the same. We're all we all have similar needs and similar desires that we could just look at from the outside and say, "What is the purpose of a human being? How does a human being feel meaning? What, what does it mean to be fully human?" And if you talk to people, uh, especially about spiritual things, oftentimes. The average person would say, you know, I feel like something's missing in my life. There is something that I was made for that I'm I'm not fulfilling. My life feels empty. What does a glove need in order to feel meaning? It needs a hand. And what Jesus is going to teach us today in John 14 is what a human being needs. And maybe if I could say it today, what you need. Maybe you come here today and there is a, a void in your heart. You feel hollow. There is something missing. And what I'm gonna say from God's word is what your heart is longing for is what it was made for, and it is only satisfied by the God, the creator, who made you. And so that's where we're going today. And uh, we are in the upper room, our series in the upper room in John 14. Here, Jesus promises to fill the glove of our soul. And these 11 disciples in the upper room, as we've seen, are in great turmoil, okay? they've are. They they've invested all this time with Jesus, they've personally witnessed the miracles, they've heard his teaching, uh, they have sensed in their own soul that this uh, person is more than simply another human being, as, as, uh, as Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And now Jesus says to them, I am going to leave you. And they don't understand this, they're bewildered by this, Judas Iscariot has already left their group. They're down to 11. And the whole experience has them very unsettled. And so Jesus is gonna assure them, really reassure them. uh, And he does so by connecting the presence of the triune God with them. And if you're a disciple of Jesus today, the promise that he makes to these 11 disciples apply to you as well. And if you're not a disciple, I would say, This might explain why you're here today. Searching, looking, longing, something missing. So with that said, here in chapter 14, we begin in verse 18. Here is what Jesus says. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, and I'll just pause there for a moment. I have to think that that's pretty much what he goes by in heaven forever. I'm Judas, one of the disciples, not that one. Okay, Not Iscariot. Said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. May God bless his word to us here today. Now, keep in mind with all of this that Jesus is building on what he said at the beginning of chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. So, these are all words that he is intending to reassure them, and I would say us here today. And note where Jesus goes to reassure them, he makes promises, okay? Promises. These promises he makes about the future, which, by the way, promises are always about the future. We don't make promises about the past. I promise I'll take out the garbage last Saturday. But that's, okay, too late for that promise. We only make promises regarding the future. Promises are pledges. They are guarantees of what Somebody's going to do. I pledge that I will do such and such in the future. Think of wedding vows as an easy illustration of this, where that couple, they look each other in the eye and they make promises. Do you promise to love and to cherish for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do you part? Okay, what is all of that? Nothing about the past. It's all about the future. And here is where there is a massive difference between the promises that god makes and the promises that humans make god can guarantee the future that he is going to do such and such in the future because god is sovereign over the future we are not sovereign over the future we have no idea what's going to happen that married couple that couple getting married they look at each other and they're like well hope for the best okay god never makes a promise and says hopes for hope for the best or we'll see how it turns out why Because he already knows the future, indeed, he controls the future. So would you rather have a promise from a human being or from God? And the answer is obvious, I take God's promises every time. Because he is sovereign over the future, what he says he indeed will do every time. And here in the text here, we see that the repeated word, you don't pick it up the first time through, but if you were to read it carefully, you would see that there is this little word will. Will. Eight times in this text, will, 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 I will, we will, this is what we're going to do, he is promising for the future. And what I want you to see today is that what, what Jesus promises to his disciples perfectly aligns with the longings of our hearts. And when I get done with this today, I'm hoping that the Christians here are encouraged that that this is what God has said that he's going to do. And if you're not a believer here today, that you might look into your heart and say, you know what, this is exactly what I've been looking for. This perfectly aligns with the longings and the unfulfilled desires of my heart. Okay, so notice how these all correspond with the fears that we have. How about the fear of being alone or being abandoned? What does Jesus say to that? Verse 18, I will not leave you as, see the word, orphans. I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Now, the reason that Jesus says this is that no doubt the disciples are kind of feeling like, hey, Jesus is bailing on us here. How can you do that? You called us to be your disciples, We've walked along with you all this time. We've seen the miracles. We've heard the teaching. We 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 believe that you are the Messiah. And if you're the Messiah, don't bail. Let's go conquer Rome. I mean, let's get to that stuff. And did you see the crowds when you came into Jerusalem on the donkey a few days ago? Like, you're at the height of your popularity. Let's go do this. This is not the time to quit. In the words of Peter elsewhere, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of life. Like the disciples are all in with Jesus, and now he says, I'm leaving. You can tell how they'd be like, what are you talking about? And to that he says, I will not leave you as orphans. That word orphans, interesting that Jesus would pick that one. You know, my, my two daughters are at the, the children's movie stage of things, and so my wife and I have watched many of these children's movies, and we have often noted how many of the children's movies involve both parents dying. Have you noticed that? Some of you that got kids that age, it's like, like, you know, the beginning of the movie, both parents die, these kids are on their own, that's pretty much how half the storylines go, and then at the end, the girls are like, oh, we love that movie, You mean the movie about the parents dying? You love that movie? Why do they do that? I think one reason they do that is it connects with us. We all have this fear of being abandoned. And in a movie script, if you can connect emotionally, now you've got them, especially children. Think about your own life. Have you ever been abandoned by somebody that you trusted or that you loved? Maybe a... Spouse, perhaps a parent or a child, a friend. That is a very devastating experience to be abandoned. Who do you fear losing the most in your life today? I'll tell you that for the disciples, it was Jesus. The one person, more than any that they wouldn't want to lose, now says, you're not going to see me anymore. I'm leaving We read this, and of course, we're like, yeah, but we know what happens here, okay? Because obviously, we know that he's going to leave them in the sense that they're going to go to Gethsemane, and he's going to be arrested, and they're going to be taken apart from each other, and he's going to be you know, uh, flogged, and he's going to be crucified, and his death is going to take them, take him away from them. But we read the story, and we're like, yeah, but he's going to be resurrected on the third day. Remember, the disciples weren't like, hey, we're in a Bible story. They have no idea what is going to happen. They assume this is the end. We're never going to see him again. He is leaving us. But Jesus adds here that I will come to you. And they don't realize how quickly that come to you will be. We know three days after his death, in this same upper room, Jesus is going to appear to them. And now he is going to be back, you know, the band's back. They're back together again. But to that end, God, over and over in Scripture, seeks to reassure us that his presence will always be with us. What do people that fear being abandoned need? We need reassurance that God is with us. Some examples of this, Deuteronomy 4, for the Lord is a merciful God. He will not leave you. 2 Corinthians 4, we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Hebrews 13, 5, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How about Psalm 23? One reason we love Psalm 23, he is our faithful shepherd, I shall not want. And of course, in the Great Commission, the last words that Matthew records that Jesus says, what does he, how does he end it, the whole thing with? And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we see in this, friends, the first assurance is the presence of God in our life. He is always with us. His eye is always upon us. You might be here today and you're thinking, I feel alone in this world. I feel abandoned in this world. If you are a follower of Jesus, hear the words here that Jesus says. He's never leaving you. He is with you today. His eye is upon you. His love is with you. That ought to fill the the glove a little bit today. So that's the first. Alone. Abandoned. No. In Christ, we are never abandoned. How about this? How about the fear of death? This probably is our our biggest fear, is the moment of death. What does Jesus say about this? Look at verse 19. Because I live, you also will live. Okay? Because I live, you also will live. Let's think about death a moment. And I've shared with you before, I'm one of these sort of weird people, I think about my death often and talk about my death with my wife and and she seems to enjoy that conversation. I don't know about that, but uh, no, she's in the balcony right now booing me probably. But um, death, we don't like to think about our death. We fear the experience of death and the reason for that is that we weren't made for death. When God designed us, he designed us to live. Death is an aberration. Death is the curse and the consequence of sin. Romans 6, the wages of sin is is death. And so it is natural for people who are made to live to fear dying. Jesus comes with this assurance. Because I live, you will live. Now class, if I was to ask you, what is he referring to here? I'm going to guess most of you would say, I think he's referring to his resurrection. And you would get half credit for that answer because it's kind of right. He certainly is speaking of the fact that he is going to live. He is not dying, dying. He is going to die and he's going to live. But there is a deeper sense to what Jesus is saying here, and it has to do with what it means to be united to the one who is himself eternal life. I'd like to unpack that for you a little bit here. If we go back in John, a few chapters, Jesus is in Bethany, his friend Lazarus has died, he is there at the grave of Lazarus, and he makes the profound statement, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He says, I am the life. Previous in chapter 14, verse six, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life. This I am statement is a statement of what is essential to his character, that Jesus is himself Life. He is not death. He is not darkness. He is light. There is in him no darkness at all. There is no death in Jesus. John says in chapter one, in him was life and his life was the light of men. Okay. Death is darkness. Life is light. There is no death in God. There is no darkness in Jesus. He is essentially By virtue of his deity, he is life. He is eternal. And as such, his life is indestructible. When Jesus died on the cross, realize that, that, uh, you know, some people have talked about how God died. No, God did not die. God can't die. Jesus died. His humanity died. His body died. But the Son of God lived. Because he is himself life. Are you with me? Okay. God is unkillable. And we should be glad that he is. So how does his indestructible life mean that I myself will live? Or as he says to his disciples, that you will live. Well, this is verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you now hang here with me a moment that sounds like a little that's a a verbal puzzle there let me unpack that for you what jesus is talking about here are indissolvable unities and the first indissolvable unity is between jesus and the father god the son and god the father he says i am in the father and the father is in me one translator describes it as locked in Okay, he he translates it locked in. The father is locked into Jesus, is in Jesus locked into the Son. And then he says that we are in Jesus and He is in us. Okay, so there is this unbreakable unity between the Father and the Son, and because they are life and we are in Him, we will live because we are locked in with them. I feel like I gotta run that around again. <laughs> I actually have an illustration here that might help you with what he's saying. Some people are diagram people. This is basically what Jesus is saying here, is that the Father and the Son, okay, try unity. They are, they are connected and will be forever. As a Christian, we are now locked in to those who are themselves life And therefore, because they live, we will live. Life, eternal, time without end, okay? Maybe you're seeing what we're getting at here. So what does this mean regarding death? Well, as Christians then, with Christ and in unity with Christ, that means that we have the very life of God in us. Now, we are not God, to be clear but the life of God is ours. So that when our body dies, like Jesus' body died, the us will live forever. This is eternal life because we are in him and he is in us. And that is good news for the saggy glove types. Abandon? nope. Death, nope. And all of these promises that Jesus is making to us are intended to encourage us, that he will always be with us, indeed dwelling with us, living with us, and working to change us and renew us and conform us to his will. And for human beings who naturally are filled with despair, this is really good news, that God is with us and will be with us forever
0: very good news indeed the assurance that the holy spirit will always be with us is a true source of comfort and hope you're listening to the journey with steve dewitt and the first part of a message called trinity the perfect fix for our fears access the full message online at thejourney.fm or subscribe to our podcast just search your favorite podcast app for the journey with pastor steve dewitt Well, in a world filled with challenges and uncertainties, knowing that God is intimately involved in our lives, working to renew and conform us to His will, is indeed great news. It's a reminder that despite our human tendencies toward despair, we have a constant and eternal companion in God who will never leave us. This truth is a source of great joy and strength in our journey of faith. And that's why here on The Journey, we share the gospel with men and women around the country each and every day. But as a listener-supported ministry, we need your help to keep going. It's your financial gifts that help keep this Bible teaching program on the radio and web, reaching listeners with the eternal truths of God's Word. So would you consider giving today? You can call us at 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at Journey. Dot FM, and to say thanks for your gift, we'll send you a book that you can read along with our current series. It's titled *The Upper Room: Jesus Parting Promises for Troubled Hearts* by best-selling author and pastor John MacArthur. This book will bless you by revealing and providing you with some of the most poignant and powerful promises for believers in all of Scripture. And you can request your copy today by calling 844-7JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763, or visit thejourney.fm. Well, I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us next time for more teaching from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.